You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's the Undercard. The Undercard brings you the best in hand combat sports, featuring major interviews, current events, and the hottest ring girls from around the nation. The Undercard is sponsored by Falling Down Beer Company, Podcast and Church Studios, and is produced by Rochelle Whitman. And now, here are your hosts, Brad, Cody, and Jimmy. It really doesn't matter the episode number. We are back. It was a long two weeks. A lot of personal stuff going on. 287. 287. 287. I've been um, keeping track for years. Good. Yep. Uh, episode 287, we apologize for the break. Uh, what a bad time to take a break, too. Because it's a bad time, Bob. It's a bad time, Bob. Uh, I mean, there was a lot going on in the boxing world. But we're back, and that's all that effing matters at the end of the day. I mean, hey, when we last had an episode, Bill Cosby was a free man. <laughs> and Bill Cosby <laughs> that is, true. is not a free man that anymore. <clears throat> so it's been it's been a little bit. So, but yeah, well, welcome back. He's uh, he's getting his uh, Jello pudding popped in prison. Oh, I'm sure he's well protected. So I, I no, really... did you hear what happened? No, somebody threw a hot dog at him and he fell down the stairs. You didn't hear about that? Well, that probably helps him though. He probably gets out quicker then. I don't know. No, he's not going to get out quicker. Just I think they're isolating him or something. But yeah, he was coming down the stairs and somebody threw a hot dog at him and it startled him and he fell down the stairs. I really don't watch the news. Apparently. No. No, I don't watch it. <laughs> uh, I don't watch the news either, but like that was all over social media. Oh, no. no. I don't even go on social no. media really anymore. Yeah. We I apologize. Like I well, apologize. You need to. Aren't you a reporter? I am. So That's why I stay like, away from social media. I would say, shouldn't, shouldn't you like be connected to everything on social media so not, you know the, what's going not on? Not the Bill Cosby case. Yeah. I don't well, have any of my friends I mean, covering that. Is he a but, professional boxer? No. 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 But I mean, something's going to get boxed. Ooh. (laughs) So gross. You need to stop. Hey, hey, oh. I'm going to lose my. my I just bent his face. Somebody was going to punch him. By the way, I don't know if it's on the camera, but we got a little mini Chris Uh, Bryant. Bring it over. Bring it over this way. There you go. We have a little mini Chris Bryant. The Cubs play at 8 o'clock tonight. It is like a game seven. It's a wild card game. Go, Cubs. Yeah. Go. Uh, Boo, Cubs. Boo. You know what? It's awesome because. Uh, there's no expectations, really. I, I don't think your mic off, anybody. What? I'll shut your mic. I don't off. think anybody's picked the Cubs to win. So you know we're playing with house money. So you know we got to win tonight, though. Don't to hate. Continue. Um, mm-hmm. Don't hate just because I hate. Be better than me. Keep your opinions to yourself, <laughs> sir. No, that's so, why we're here to voice our opinions. So we we got a lot to talk about. Uh, first off. Um, I, I think we'll start we'll start we'll actually do the proper journalism way. We will start with something relevant, Khabib and Connor. And then we'll talk what happened with the Triple G Canelo fight, my observations, because we've not been back Ooh, since then. It's been um, that long. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, uh two. And then uh we got a special guest coming on on eight. Jimmy, do you wanna Give a little teaser. Uh, yeah, we had him on uh, the show before. Uh, my buddy Bob, or uh, as he goes, uh, oh, RJ, RJ Fox, RJ Fox, Robert uh, J Fox, uh, but I call him Bob. Hey, Bob. Um, but uh, when he was on last, uh, he had just 
had a book published about his real life adventures in the Ukraine called Love and Vodka. Since that point in time, he has had two more books published. Uh, and he, I don't know if I can announce or not, but he has some other really good stuff uh, coming down the pipeline. He had announced something on his Facebook recently. Yeah, he did, but I don't, I don't know how much he wants to reveal, and uh, and I'll let him talk about it. But uh, the uh, one of the Bush that Bush, one of the books that was published uh, is called uh, Waiting Identification. Uh, and it takes place, I believe, in 96 or 99 uh, in Detroit uh, on Devil's Night. And I'll let him talk more about the book and stuff. But, yeah, he'll be on uh, uh, in studio at around 8 o'clock to talk about his books. Awesome. Because, you know, I know people. <laughs> <laughs> RJ, I know him as RJ Fox. Yeah, well, comes I only I I only know him as Bob because like I grew up with him. We went to high school. I did that clown movie with him and that Steve's Place movie with him. And to me, he's Bob, but to the world, he's RJ Fox. I like Bob. It. So hey, that's, Bob. Com- hey, that's Bob. coming on at uh, eight. So yep. since we uh, last left mm-hmm. off, uh, pre Connor Khabib, yeah. Uh, Press conference. Uh, let's start there. First off, what what did I think of the press conference? I don't um, know. What did you think of the press Khabib conference? Khabib smashed it. No, he didn't. <laughs> he, he, he was he was so mellow. He was just like, whatever you say, Connor. Whatever. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm a little concerned. Connor's drinking with Dana White, and I, I know you got a new proper whiskey out, and you know I don't know. It it it's tough. The intangible out there for me is that you make a hundred million dollars and I'm, I'm supposed to expect you're the same guy who used to be a fighter. And I just don't know if that's possible. I mean, I don't have a hundred million dollars, but I'm just going to say that maybe you quit a little bit more in training. Maybe you don't. Um, but you can clearly tell that Connor was even a little bit more over the top trying to instigate Khabib. Uh, well researched. Well, he's trying though. to trying, trying to trying to sell tickets. I mean, because right now I think his star has kind of waned a little bit, and I think he's trying to build more hype than is actually there. No, I, well, it's possible. Um, I think he, he, I, I think there's a good possibility in his mind he knows he's going to lose. Um, oh, I don't think there. No, I don't think Conor McGregor even fathoms the concept of losing. Really? I think he thinks that he's going to win to the day he dies or to the day he retires. Well, I mean, he's going to win financially. There's no Well, but I mean even that. I I just don't think he thinks that there's a a rival, you know. I mean, yeah, he went with McGregor, you know, or McGregor, Jesus, oh, Pete's. He fought Mayweather for the payday, but I think he truly thought in his mind he could beat Mayweather. Like, I don't think he fathoms that he could not beat somebody. Yeah. And anyone in the boxing world knew that he was never well, going but to beat. No, Mayweather. I, and of course, because you can't, you know, take somebody at that level and, you know, also somebody else at, you know, the level, but in a completely different sport and say he has a chance against them. But, in Connor's mind, he was going to be able to do it. And in Connor's mind, he's the best of the best. There is no, there is no rest. You know, he's the best around. So All my right. my number one concern is the hundred million dollars and what that does to uh, somebody who's made that kind of money. And and the second concern I have about Connor McGregor is how much time he's had off. Uh, yeah, that, that that's going to be I the deciding factor. Rest. Yeah. 
Some some people some people I'm friends with don't believe in ring rust, and I'm talking my media friends, but I believe in ring rust. And my third concern for Conor McGregor is that your weakness is Khabib's strength. Now you could be uh, lucky and catch him in coming in like Aldo, um, and maybe maybe the left does catch I Khabib. Yeah. I don't know, I, but. I, I, those it, are my three reasons why I am picking Khabib to win. Okay. A five-round decision. <clears throat> I am going to Remains go with... undefeated. I am going to go with McGregor. Uh, I'm going to go with McGregor because I think, yes, there will be ring rust, but I think he knows that Khabib's going to try to take him to the ground. I think that's what he's been training for is to prevent Khabib from taking him to the ground. He's going to keep it a stand-up fight. And in a stand-up fight, I think McGregor has the edge. Oh, yeah. I think the the first round is going to be very tentative. He's going to be kind of feeling him out and shaking off that ring rust. But I think as soon as second round comes, he's going to come at him full force. And I think he's going to take Khabib out. Uh, I say, I want to say third round by strikes. That's crazy because a uh, uh, guy that we're going to call, uh, I'll let him talk his prediction, but very close to his prediction, too. Yeah. We're going to call him in a second, but uh, we even have a name for him now. We're going to call him the ultimate fan, uh, Mike Reiser. Oh. Uh, who, will be, who will be joining us in, to talk about the fight. Oh, He's I wish got you, I knew insight. he was going to be on. I, I oh, gotta you got to find a picture of him then. <sighs> Plus, there was some crazy storms since we were lazy. Uh, yeah. I love talking storms, dude. Uh, but right. anyways, he he also has a, a similar theory to you, but I'll, I'll let him talk about it now. Um, just if, remember, just remember who's been more accurate in his predictions, Brad. Oh, you have, yeah. Just you just have. saying. I, I think saying. it's going to be a boring fight too. I really think it's. I think be it'll a be a boring fight. fight for the first. Like, I don't think it. Connor's going to go like. It, it's going to be a boring fight until all of a sudden there's just going to be like a. One, two, one, two, three combination. That'll be the end of it. But up until that, yes, it'll be a very boring fight. Uh, let's see. I got to find him. I'm looking him up. So, yeah. No, I I, I agree with uh, I agree with uh, our, what are we calling him? The official fan? or No, the ultimate fan. Oh, the ultimate it's fan. A, it's, a, it's a play on the ultimate fighter. Yeah. There's the All phone right. number there, Rochelle. We're going right. to call him up right now and we're yeah. going to talk some MMA. You know, it's funny, too, is when I was going through in preparation for this show, I actually deleted the um, uh, I actually deleted the picture I had had of him because I'm like, well, I don't need this anymore. Right. You know, no, uh, no, he's going to be a regular. No, I we know. But so I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it now. And part of my cues to be able to switch to. Well, no, we need a computer graphic with him, like, riding around with a tornado in the well, back. Well, then you make that. tornado. Then you make that, and I will add it to our thing. Hello. Hello. Hey, we are joined by the ultimate fan, Michael <laughs> Reiser. I'm going to make it stick, okay. the ultimate fan. How are oh, you, my, my man? I am good, guys. How are you? Good, man. Well, it is, according to Dana White, the biggest week in MMA history. It's here, and, uh, of Fight course... Week. Fight week, uh, of course you're a huge MMA guy. Uh, we've already given our given our predictions. I, I got uh, Khabib five rounds uh, decision. Uh, Jimmy went Connor three rounds uh, by strikes. Na- by strikes. Uh, so let's let's break it down with you here really quick. Uh, I gave my three reasons why I think Connor 
just has too much to overcome. The first being that he made $100 million, and I just don't think you're the same person after you make $100 million. The second reason I gave, and I got to look at look at it really quick here. She's got my papers. The second reason I gave was that the time off, I think, I believe in ring rust. And then my third is that your weakness is uh, Khabib's strength. Let's let's break it down. What, what do you see here playing out? As Connor would say, fuck that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be really blunt with my prediction. And, and I, I know we talked earlier, and I was really kind of. I watched a lot of tape today, and I, I went through a lot of. I watched a lot of uh, Connor's training that he released, and I saw. I watched the Aquinta fight again with uh, Habib, and I just got to say, I, I, I don't think that Connor is going to be a different Connor. I know a lot. Of, I know it's a concern with a lot of people that you went off and made a hundred million dollars fighting Floyd Mayweather. You know, maybe you're not hungry enough, or maybe you're not uh, motivated. And I just, I don't believe that right now. And I don't think, I think anybody who does is, is not really taking the Conor McGregor that we know or that we knew. They're, they're thinking this is not a new Conor. I think that's that's what I, those people need to realize. This isn't a a more um, tame Connor. This is a Connor who who came back and he's fighting the absolute best on his first fight in two years. You know, people criticized John Jones for coming back and fighting uh, a Daniel Cormier right away, but you know he's the, the best fight, the best. And look how John Jones looked, knocked out Daniel Cormier, no problem. You know, somebody like Conor McGregor who only fights the absolute best. And I already made it clear, too, throughout this fight week that, hey, if something happens with Habib, that I'll fight Tony Ferguson, I'll fight Anthony Pettis, it doesn't matter. Get somebody in the octagon across from me, and I'm going to knock him out. Conor McGregor will knock Habib out in the second round at UFC 229 this weekend. Oh, man, that's even quicker than Jimmy's. Uh, and it's got to be the left that catches him. It's, it's got to be the left, and if Connor does not do it in two, Connor's a, it's done. I don't think Connor can go five with Habib and win a decision. Habib, uh, the wrestling will be too much after, after that second round. Too many takedowns, too many points to overcome for Connor at that point. It's got to be in two, and then uh, or Connors or Connors are done. Uh, Connors done for. Now, what do you what do you expect with this circus? Uh, I expect these are just some random predictions. I bet you Connor brings us two belts again. Uh, I bet you that. Uh, uh, I, I you know the during the anthems <laughs> I I expect uh, you know the, the the typical shit, but I, I expect Connor to be quite. Quite animated and and uh, quite talkative in the ring until uh, maybe things don't go his way. But you see it going his way. What what are, what are some of your predictions for this uh, fight week? Other than the the outcome, uh, what what do you think we'll see? I think Thursday's press conference will be entertaining. Um, the one thing that Conor McGregor is is entertaining. So if you're if you're looking for a good laugh, that's going to be something that you want to check out. Um, I think he'll have a bottle of that proper 12 with him. Have you guys <laughs> broken open that proper 12? No, no, no. We're going to save it, actually. We decided. so. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, I think that'll be, that'll, be one, that'll be something, you know, special. You know, I think uh, Connor will be Connor on Thursday. 
Um, the weigh-in will be very quick, and he won't say much, and he'll face off on Friday. But as far as the one thing I think people need to kind of look at is they need to watch Connor's body language. And I think that, and then watch Beavs as well. I, I, I'm going to go back to the, the Aldo fight. Connor, um, right before right before the fight started, if you watch Connor's body language and you watch Aldo's body language, you can just see that that whole build, that all the mental warfare, all the everything leading up to that fight got to Aldo right before right before the fight started, and Connor just looked loose. I think that's going to be the key this weekend. You got to watch the body language of both men right before they say get it on. I think that's going to be very, very key as to who is going to come out and who is going to be loose and who is going to be ready to, you know, who's ready to go. I think that's going to be something that you need to watch. So you think it breaks all the UFC records? I mean, it's not going to break any major uh, pay-per-view records, but uh, number one UFC fight? I think it beats I think it beats Conor Nate, too. Yeah. Not by much. I don't think people are – I think uh, – Connor went the wrong way on this whole not wanting to promote it as much. Right. Uh, the world tour is what, what, what brings people in, I think, around the world. What gets the casual fan wanting to see this fight, I think that's something that maybe Connor went about the wrong way here. Um, but no, I don't think, I think it beats Connor Nate too, but not by much. Now, so uh, you're predicting. Uh... Uh, Habib to have his first loss. Do you think uh, it, it's an automatic rematch, or do you think that the way you you have it, predicting that McGregor, what's what's out there for McGregor? There's some dangerous people out there for McGregor to tell you the truth. What, what, what do you what do you see well, happening? I, I think I think Connor's looking to this 165 division that Nate that Nate and uh, Dustin Poirier are is, uh, they're talking about here. I know nothing's been confirmed by Dana and their. Uh, they're not confirming anything right now, but I think this 165 belt. If anything, you're going to see if if this Connor wins this fight, Nate wins in New York. I think you're going to see a super fight. You know, you'll see the third fight between Connor and Nate uh, for the 165 belt. Which is crazy because I think it's I think, yeah. Uh, you know, because Dana White said that that fight would never happen, but it makes money. It makes sense, and you know, uh, and it, 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 you oh, know, there's, there's no way you don't make it at that point. There's that's all it is is just money. Yeah, for for the UFC, you gotta you gotta think about it. Who who next? Who's next for Connor? That that's a big enough name to fit that marquee. I mean, it's got to be Nate or Dustin. At this point, you know what happened. You know when when Nate fought Connor. Nate Nate blew up. Nate Diaz became a household name, pay-per-view draw, main event. The same happens to Dustin Poirier if he beats Nate in New York. And then you have a chance where you can can sit there and you can have Poirier go off and fight Connor as well. But as of right now, there's only one name that's big enough, I think, that'll attract Connor um, on the next fight, and that's going to be Nate. Yeah, so we'll, uh, you probably remember me. So it's a seven or six fight deal that he signed. No boxing's allowed. It was an eight fight deal. Eight fight deal. So you figure he's fighting twice eight a year, fight. three times most. Uh, you know, and the division will will shape up a little bit. But 
Um, that's a long deal, actually, for Connor. But he's getting some. There's no question. Somewhere in there, he's getting ownership. His his uh, new whiskey investments can be all over the octagon. Actually, there's a funny meme going around yep. where like UFC's in small and proper twelves all over the octagon. <laughs> uh, so I mean, you know, as he's grown as a brand. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how much he plays by the UFC rules because he has a spot at the table now. Does the eight fight deal doesn't mean he's going to fight eight times. Connor could retire. He could be done. Just like there's a rumor going around right now that if Habib wins this fight, he's done. He wants to retire. Uh, he wants to retire 26 uh, 26 no. 27 no, 27 right? no. Yeah. Yeah. 27 and 0. He wants to retire. He wants to be done. He wants to be the Floyd Mayweather of MMA. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, there's he, nobody out there that, you know, everybody's had yeah. a loss. So, you know, I mean, yep, he, and uh, that, that's right now the rumor with Habib. And we were also talking about earlier today, you know, is, is Habib hurt? And that's uh, that's something that a lot of uh, people are, are talking about as well. You know, is, is he hurt right now? Will he even make it to the fight? You know, you said you think he does. I, I do as well. Um, but I think weight might be an issue. It could and, be. You know, and, and also with Connor, though, I, I really think that you, you forget that how how much a weight cut matters. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how how both of them respond to the to the weight cut. Um, you know, I, I think that if Habib is injured, I think it actually benefits him. I think that... Um, you know, he, he, he clearly was going to throw, you know, not even try to play around with Connor. Um, where I think that he might entertain, which is very stupid, to entertain Connor for a little bit, a couple rounds where he stands up. And I, I think that that's where, you know, your guys' prediction can come around because, you know, Connor clearly, whether he's throwing kicks or, or, or punching, is going to be stronger in that regard. I still think we no, see I Connor think. in WWE eventually. <laughs> I really do. I, I just it, it's inevitable. It, it, you know, I just think he's eventually going to end up there, and it'll be perfect for I, it too. He do something probably. I mean, it's, it makes a lot of sense. He's got the personality for it, but I, I don't think uh, he's, he's angered a lot of people over there. I'm not, and I think, but uh, at the same time, the money that he would draw, I think, uh, would just be too attractive. Um, you know, for anybody over there to pass up, but I think this, I think that's the last thing on Connor's mind. I think people don't realize you're not giving Connor enough credit. You know, he is a he is a fighter. He said he's came back for the love of this game. You got to take him at his word right now. I mean, there's nothing that you can go against that says that he's lying that he doesn't mean it. And I think a lot of people are going to be uh, he's going to open up a lot of eyes on Saturday night. He beats Habib. He is the absolute pound for pound number one, or maybe number two. You know, I don't think you can unseat Daniel Cormier right now. But, uh, you know, there's no doubt he's, he's number two if he beats Habib. Well, he cements his legacy, too. I mean, like, to tell you the truth, his personality is bigger than his, his fight career right now. And Conor McGregor is going to be known for his personality. He he needs he needs this win, to tell you the truth, to even be talked about about in the ranks of some of the the greats that have come in through here whether it be bj uh bj or uh george st pierre he needs this win to even even be considered like john jones any of those and so really his legacy is on the line 
more than uh, Habib's. And, you know, that's where we're at. And, you know, if, if we if we see Connor and, and trust me, I will be the first one next Tuesday to come in here and say that, you know, I was wrong and Connor proved me wrong. And the guy's got the heart of, uh, you know, a lion. And, you know, I, I, I want Connor to win. I, I told you it trickles down still. It doesn't really show up on the books, but it does make us money somehow. And so I, I definitely do, if I'm having a rooting interest, Con- uh, Connor's better for the undercard. There's no question about that. And there's no, there's no doubt that it's come Tuesday, you know, um, or, you know, on Saturday night, I'm, I'm going to be watching the fight here at my home and I'm fully expecting, Con- you know, I pick Connor in two and that's where my heart is, but I'm also fully expecting Habib just to come out and maul him. <laughs> it's, it's a total possibility. Just sit on him With and out fight, wrestle him. It, yeah, that's it. Just, uh, just to sit there and for five rounds, just pound on him. Right, you know, if, if people saw the one thing that I'm liking it too is the Anthony Barboza fight, but on a on a very very more angry scale because Habib's never fought anybody that he hates. He hates Connor. <laughs> I, so, I think they know, both hate each other. I re- I really do think Connor oh, yeah. hates him too. Um, you know, it, part of it's a show, but I, I think they they do hate each other. I, I don't. I'm not European, so I I don't understand. But there was a lot of politics being talked about about who who's in your corner or who you oh, were taking yeah, president. Right. Uh, you know, both of them may or may not have mafia ties. There was a lot of crazy talk going on that went over a lot of people's head. But it was a European kind of battle. It really, you know, and as Americans, we don't get it. But um, clearly, Connor, um, you know, was was trying to get under his uh, Habib's, uh, you know, talking oh, about how the Russian people are rooting for him. You know, you could tell that he got under Habib's skin, especially when he brought his dad up. That's a sensitive subject for Habib, and. Uh, you know, and Brandon, it's funny you mentioned the whole politics thing. Um, Brandon, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. I absolutely love it. And Brandon Shubb was on with him, and he said, I would hate to be in the audience for this fight. And Joe Rogan laughed. Why do you think that? You know, he, he was, Brandon Shubb was like, it's the speed. The Irish fans and the Russian fans. It could be a mess. He said, I think this is going to be a brawl. He said, I think this is going to be a huge, huge brawl on Saturday night at some point in time during the event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to k- cut off liquor sales before the main event actually uh the pay-per-view happens at, at uh T-Mobile out there. That would actually be price smart. You you, you want to cut off liquor sales like while the undercard is going That's on. That's what I'm saying. In, yeah, order, before, in order in order for exactly. them to sober up by the time the main event happens. Yeah. Otherwise it could be crazy. Start, yeah. Start fanning start fanning employees out in the crowd with coffee. Yeah. Start getting people <laughs> start getting people aware. Right around the, you know, and have that done by the co-main event. Right, exactly. Um, by the time Ferguson Pettis comes out, and everybody will be kind of up and up and ready for the main event. Now, other stuff we talked to you about is weather and wrestling. Let's mm-hmm. let's start off in wrestling. I don't know if you've heard this rumor, but uh, my my favorite team in the charity thing was uh, Team Little Big. I thought uh, mm-hmm. Braun and uh, Alexa Bliss were like a perfect match. The rumor is that Ronda Rousey actually injured Bliss by dragging her around the ring and, and, and tore something. Uh, so that's why Braun had a replacement. Have you heard that re- rumor? And uh, besides hearing that rumor, uh, do you what what do you uh, 
what do you what do you think now that we're in like I don't know what are we in the third or fourth month? Rhonda's actually getting a, a little bit of action. What what do you think of her character development and how she's doing over there in wrestling? It's totally possible she hurt Alexa. She's she she ragdolled Alexa around for two pay per views in a row and a couple of raws as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if that if that happened. Um, that's a rumor I've heard as well that she didn't hurt Alexa. Um, Alexa's got a big match at Evolution against Trish Stratus that they're now holding Alexa off of the road and off of live TV just so she heals up in time to have that advertised match with Trish. Um, but as far as Ronda develop, Ronda's development goes, I think she this Monday this, this past Monday on Raw showed that she's actually come a very long way in being able to adjust and not be this not be the ultimate badass, but have it be more realistic in the matches that she's having. Um, getting more sympathy from the fans as a baby face. And I think she's doing a fantastic job, better than I, I believe that people would give her credit for at this point. Um, but I think she's adjusted very well. Um, so, and she's on the road right now to having a big six bomb, a six woman tag at Super Showdown this Saturday um, with the Bellas against the Riot Squad. And then it hasn't been confirmed, but the rumor right now that the main event of the Evolution pay-per-view at the end of October is going to be Nikki Bella against Ronda Rousey. So in the next, uh, probably at Super Showdown, you're going to see an angle done where the Bellas turn heel and leads to the Ronda match. Very interesting. I don't know. Do you watch Glow? The the Netflix series? Do you watch Glow or no? I don't. I oh don't my god, know. you got to watch it. I, it's a it, it, I, that's what everybody says. I gotta, I gotta go back and watch the first season. It's actually, it's actually really good. But I'm not trying to spoil anything here, so I'm gonna say it. But uh, Mark Marin uh, has a great quote at the end of the first season where he says, "Nobody cares about the champion; they care about the person chasing the belt." Do you think that they gave Ronda uh, the belt too quick for the the Raw division? And at the same time, is there truth behind that? That you know what? the chase could have been more exciting, you know, for Rhonda instead of like, I mean, she relatively got it pretty quick. I, you know what, that's what people say, but I only believe that the chase is that, that, that people look at the chase is only special for certain people, the way you build somebody, the way that the fans react to someone. And uh, regardless, you know, they, they reacted to Ron in a positive way, but it also talks about you have to have a strong heel champion, too. And while Alexa was a, a wonderful heel champion, she just wasn't, she's not on that elite heel champion level right. that, you know, one dimensional. You expect somebody to. She's very, very, there's not, a, there's not a woman on that roster, unfortunately, that isn't named Charlotte Flair that isn't one dimensional. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's because you got to, but you have to keep Charlotte away from Ronda. Right. That's the WrestleMania main event. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. That's your WrestleMania 34 main event. They, um, they, but the chase is only special for... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to say that I, I accidentally read a Marvel spoiler the other day about... Uh, I don't know if you saw the Mark Ruffalo. Is it Mark Ruffalo? Where he divulges... The he. He got confused about the interview and and divulged who the real enemy is in the Marvel universe, and I, I caught that and I was like, "Well, that movie's ruined for me." But no, so we we don't that mind was, spoilers. That was a planned wait, 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 slip wait, wait. up. What's the spoiler? What's the Marvel spoiler? Rochelle's got to take Dude, off her headphones. Get, 
That's not true, yeah, though. That's, just... It's a quote-unquote planned spoiler to throw people off the scent. Okay, they want... ha- that happens a lot. Same do with Tom want... Holland. Do you want me to... Can I say it? I do you don't want... care. Uh, so, so Thanos isn't the real enemy. He actually he will come back and fight with them. Um, it's actually the Red Stone. It, it, throughout the Marvel oh, the, Universe, no, the, the Red Stone has no, been the enemy with Thor. Not the Red Stone. The Mind Stone. Right. Uh, so, the Red Stone is the reality stone. Right. So anytime someone's had yeah. possession of it, yeah. they've, they've behaved miss so that actually that stone is the villain and well uh, it's all the infinity stones it's just the mind stone is the one that can affect the mind but the infinity stones themselves are the villains because they have their own sentient consciousness according to this theory i I thought i've watched the interview twice i I really think he he He, slipped no i I really do no he did but he didn't okay it was a way it Nothing that these guys do ever slips. But they filmed it's them at planned. the same time. I bet you, you know. But maybe, it's planned. Yeah, maybe. It's yeah. planned but to that's, slip. But that's the rumor out there, yeah. that that it's the, the stone the that's the, stones. It, yeah. is actually the enemy. Well, I mean, if we're, if we're doing that, then, I mean, then it's going to be an awkward team-up because at the end of Infinity War, Thor, you know, he, he, drove, a, he drove a pretty good-sized uh, uh, axe in the, in the Thanos well that's already that's already healed if you watch the last little bit of it that the the wound that thanos had from thor was already healed up right yeah so that's not but but i think i think and this is the theory that i subscribe to is the time stone dr strange we're in a time loop Things so the theory that I subscribe to and I and I I believe it is if you watch the the uh, Doctor Strange looks into the future and sees whatever I forget the number possibilities and there was only one that they won right so he knew that they were going to lose in every other iteration but the only iteration where they didn't lose was where he gave Thanos the time stone but you got to remember that. Doctor Strange also knows how to make a time loop. He did it with Dormammu. And if you watch the scene where he gives the the time stone to Thanos, his left arm, the arm that controls what he uses to control the time, is behind his back. So you don't see the little ring around it. And he knows that even if he dies, the time loop stays in in uh, in perpetual motion because it's in the stone, not on him. Right. So he did the time. He did a time spell on the stone to see, you know, basically let it go through, and it's going to retcon in the next movie. It's going to go back to the beginning of that time loop where now they know, hey, we got to stop this, or we got to do this, or we're going to have to go to different dimensions and different times in. In the thing and get all the Infinity Stones. So we know the te- the Space Stone is with Loki at the Battle of New York. So we're going to go there. A couple of the Avengers are going to go there. And that the, the Time Stone is going to be here. So a couple of Avengers. And they're going to be spread across time and then all come back together after Thanos realizes that they're in a time loop. And basically be able to fight him with another gauntlet wielded by Captain Marvel. That's my theory. There, there's, there's Jimmy's theory there for <laughs> you, Mike. Is it, that's, a, that's a spoiler I've heard. I've also heard that he cursed the time stone as well. But there's, there's a lot of different theories out there. Yeah, there's a lot of theories, but you that's the one Marvel, I like. Yeah. You got to give Marvel credit, um, not giving away any kind of information on uh, this close 
uh, this close to Avengers four. We haven't had we don't have a title to the movie. Why well, we don't have a teaser? We don't have absolutely anything. I heard that they leaked that the the title was leaked and it's called Eternity War. Hmm. I don't I don't know if that's true know. or not, but I I heard that the title was leaked and it's also, called Eternity I've War. I've also heard Avengers Endgame is also yeah. I've heard that one too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm sitting over here as a DC fan over Marvel, going, "I got Babe Ruth oh. on my team. I got <laughs> Lou Gehrig. I got, I got all the major heroes, and, and we nothing, fucking you suck. Have nothing to show for exactly. And we, <laughs> no, well, no, we, well, no, we have the Christopher Nolan films, and you which have were Wonder amazing. Woman, and you have Wonder Woman. Yeah, the Christopher Nolan yeah. films, which just were in their separate universe. Yeah, I mean, they just that's just. Yeah, you know, great cinema but making. You actually but. have uh, your own, uh, just like uh, uh, CW, or no, that is all DC. Yeah, you have the, oh, yeah, oh yeah, we so you have all that, movie, but now you also movie, have <laughs> the DC streaming service, which is going to debut with uh, the Teen Titans or the Titans. See, we control TV. You yeah. got to give DC that, but yeah. I don't like them. I've, yeah. I've given them. I like. like I I don't like Arrow. Shit. I don't like Arrow, but I do like uh, Flash. Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl. Mm. I like. I don't like Arrow though. I like Arrow. No, Arrow is just Batman. Arrow is just Batman. That's he's just he's just Batman. That's I all. I gave it Legends really is. of Tomorrow a chance to yeah. make it through the first season. I don't know. You guys, you guys, you, gotta, do, you but, guys do well. Yeah, you but know? you gotta you gotta get past the first season in Legends though. It's just, that's when it really picks up. I just feel like we have all the superstars on the team, but we keep fucking it up, dude. Yeah, uh, it's just un- well because I think, and that's probably part of the problem is they're relying too heavily on name recognition and not worrying about story or content. Dude, I hate backstory. I really do. I, I, I thought you Chris need a was- little bit. You need a little bit, but we all know the backstories of all of them. Well, not and every. You got to start restart it every fucking well, time. Well, and that's that's the thing is that's you know they yeah. Well, well they, DC wanted to be Marvel way too quick, right? Too. They, yeah, they, know, Marvel Marvel's made this a, over a ten year process. Yeah, exactly. You know they took Marvel took a character group like the Guardians of the Galaxy that nobody knew about. Yeah, <laughs> nobody mainstream, nobody you know worldwide knew who they were, and they made them the most popular group. That, yep. you know, out there right now. But they're doomed. And, James you know, James Gunn being off this, they're they're doomed. No, guaranteed. He was the magic. Well, no, actually I uh I they're gonna I, use his script for three. They're gonna use his script, they're okay. gonna get a different director, and if they do fire Dave Batista, which is a very good possibility because he has gone on record numerous times bashing Disney and you just can't do that. But the events of Infinity but the events of Affinity War actually allow them to be able to do a soft reboot with a, either a no Drax or with a different Drax because of the snap. Uh, they'll see. be able. They'll be able to do that. They'll be able to to say, okay, the reality got changed, and this is a different Drax, or Drax never came back from the snap. We're joined by the uh, ultimate fan, Mike Reiser. Also, uh, he f- does weather. Uh, give a shout out to your weather site there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's on my team, Texas War, Texas Storm Chase team. Um, we're almost 13,000 strong on Facebook. We do a lot of great work with warnings and watches. Um, so check us out. You know, we cover the whole entire country, and uh, we try to provide uh, the best up-to-date information as far as warnings in your area. Kind of like, you know, last week we were on top of everything here in the, in the Down River area when we had the uh, couple tornadoes that touched down in, in Wayne and Monroe counties. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. So let's start there. Um, I don't remember 
Uh, typically, tornadoes are a springtime thing. Refresh me. Does it happen that often in fall? Fall is like a second season. Okay. Uh, this September um, through October through early November time period can spawn some of the most vicious and violent tornado outbreaks in modern history. Uh, you're looking back at uh, November 5th of last year where we had a, a, a huge wedge tornado at the um, Indiana-Ohio border um, down south, um, you know, November 17th, um, 2013. Uh, there was a huge tornado outbreak uh, that caused multiple tornadoes, multiple deaths. You know, fall is like a second kind of uh, tornado season around the country. So it's, it's very common. And then the last time we talked to you, we, we thought this hurricane would be much worse than it was. What, what happened that, that made it not as bad? Even though, did, did you see the, the reporter who was standing in the wind and acting like he was blown, oh, and then the God. guy's walking <laughs> behind him like it's no big deal? Mike, it was Mike Pettis. Yeah. Mike so, Pettis from the Weather Channel. God bless his soul. Okay, so <laughs> the, the, if you're for the video, so the video really quickly is a weatherman struggling against the wind. And behind him at the worst time is a couple guys with like a case of beer walking back to their house and they're not affected by the wind teenagers. at all. <laughs> right. So if you're for him, they, they said that he was standing on mud and it, it's difficult to get traction. If you're not for him, right. he was embellishing how, how big the storm was. What, what do you think was happening there? Uh, he's selling it for all it was worth. He really <laughs> like a little bit of wind. There goes a piece of paper. He tried his little heart out, but it just, it was so embarrassing. I, and the reason why I know he was trying his little heart out is I have friends who were down there. Literally, um, right to the right of Mike Bettis was a parking complex, a garage that I knew. I had multiple friends who were there covering the hurricane, and they were watching Mike Bettis the whole entire time he was on air. And they were laughing because there was barely any wind going on there at that point in time, as you've seen other people walk by. And it was just the funniest thing they said. <laughs> so no, it was uh, it's just pretty embarrassing if you're like that as the Weather Channel. But at the media embellishes. What are you going to do? So what happened? Why why wasn't it as bad? Um, what what situations happened that made the hurricane not as bad? Teach me because I don't uh, know. There was a there was a system to the south of Flow that people didn't really account for a low pressure system that came out of really. Yeah, it came up quickly, quicker than they had anticipated, and uh, flow sheared out. And what I mean by sheared out is that the system interacted with uh, with flow and took away um, that strengthening process. Um, right before the system actually got to her, she went through an eyewall replacement cycle, where the eye, you know, cycles itself. It goes through this weakening point, and then 18 hours later, it, it restrengthens, and then it goes through this really big um, growth, um, which you saw flow get pretty big at one point. Um, but, you know, then as soon as that happened, the system moved through and interacted with the southern part of the storm and kind of tore her apart right before she made landfall. So hmm. it was the most ideal situation for the, for the Carolinas because if she would have made straight, uh, landfall at the strength that she was 15 hours earlier, it right. would have been a more devastating scenario. Yeah, I'm definitely not rooting for the worst, but it, it seemed like, you know, with all the hype going into it, you know, it just kind of it kind of let down. It was just kind of like, you know, you're watching it every night and you're like, well, it isn't as bad as we th- we 
thought, kind of. Also, I have to I have to close with this ultimate fan here. Um, so uh, our co-host Cody was in uh, Japan when a typhoon was coming, and. Mm. I was confused on what a typhoon actually was. I, I was confusing it with a tsunami. But Rochelle looked it up and... You argued with the with the internet. I argued with the internet. <laughs> they say a tornado, a typhoon, and a hurricane are all the same things. No, a hurricane and a typhoon are, are the, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. is that it's true? Just, it just depends on where it is. That, is. that is true. It just depends on a where in the world it is. A, yep. Yes, uh, there's a there's like a dividing line in the Pacific. Thank um, you, Mike. Yep. Okay. A, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, where it You're a, wrong. Bitch. You, <laughs> there's a there's a dividing line in the Pacific where it becomes a hurricane becomes a tsunami. I think I know what tsunami you're talking about too. Um, there was one earlier um, last week that was that made landfall and winds. They recorded winds on uh, in Japan of over 200 miles an hour. Yeah, it yeah, just, it uh, was like a, 183 miles was, per hour or something like that. But didn't they typhoon? Yeah, that was a yeah real typhoon situation. Didn't yeah. they also say on the internet that a tornado and a hurricane are the same thing? No. Oh, okay. No. You were yeah because like I was like Ty- that's no. bullshit on that. Ty- yeah, typhoon and that hurricane. Wasn't even part of our conversation. Okay. <laughs> typhoon and hurricane are, uh, not, yeah, typhoon hurricane are the same thing. And I think the only difference is. Like Mike said, right? It's just because of how it's named in the world, or it's like, like the why, me- like the why, system. like why? I guess, <laughs> I guess, my question is, is why is there a dividing line in the Pacific between a hurricane and a, a typhoon? What makes it the different names? That much, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer. Okay, to why do I'd we call to, it pop? I'd have to, I'd have to, uh, and people in that. Tennessee call um, it I don't know soda. Why that they, because they we're right and they're heathens. Okay, but that's the same <laughs> But I do know that Pacific storms, typhoons, do tend to be a lot stronger than hurricanes. Um, there's a, there's a, a radar loop that shows the strengthening of a typhoon compared to a, a strengthening of a hurricane. And it's just sometimes these typhoons are just on another level. Isn't it? Um, as we saw last week in Japan. So, is, isn't it because it is, of the warm? The, isn't it because of the warm currents in the Pacific yeah. that picks up? Uh, it's stronger, right? That's correct. Yeah, the yeah. warm the, the currents in the Pacific are a lot warmer than what you see in the um, you know eastern of uh, the Pacific, the, uh, the Atlantic, Coast, right? Um, and often the Atlantic and the Gulf. The right. currents in the Pacific over there are just a lot warmer. And it drives that storm development a lot. Right. More. Yeah. Okay. So I, I remember, I remembered my geology or my um, uh, weather class. I forget what it's actually called in school. <laughs> you had a weather class. Yeah. You had, what, you get a gold star. Yeah, but I no, but it was a uh, it was a science class that dealt specifically with with like weather and weather. And I took it as an elective because I was fascinated by weather. I actually wanted to do growing up what Mike does now, which is you know, chase weather and be a storm chaser and all that kind of stuff. And then I realized that it takes a lot of money to do, and I just didn't have that kind of capital. <laughs> I'll take you on a chase. We'll, we'll get you out. A- absolutely. One day. You absolutely. Take the whole, we'll take the whole undercard out on a chase. There we go. Oop, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> we, I'm good. We do have acts of God under <laughs> our insurance, so we'll, we'll be safe. So, so if it's like the metric system, you know, where people call it typhoons, I'm just going to go start call hurricanes typhoons, and I'd be okay, right? If I'd be like, that's Typhoon Mar- Maria hitting the coast of Florida, right? It's just like the metric system. Uh, I don't think that's. 
No, it's, that's it doesn't work right. that way, Brad. Damn it. It'd still be no. a hurricane on that side. <laughs> still going to be a hurricane. Yeah. How about, how about we just let Rochelle, Rochelle, you handled that. It sounds like you had it under control. Right. I know. She um, just Googled it, and I don't trust anything on the internet. <laughs> anything. What do you mean you don't trust anything? You got There are certain sites that you can trust, and then there's other that. sites that you it. can't. That was a, was I, it Wikipedia? I, no, I trust Mike. And Mike gave me the yeah. answer, and now I now right. I accept they're this exact same you thing. Can, you can trust you can trust the Texas Vortex Storm Chase page. Just check us out on Facebook. Give give us a like. You know that's what's <laughs> good plug. Wait, nice. that was a good plug. Awesome. Well, you enjoy fight week. I'm sure we'll have you on next week to break down the fight, man, and and enjoy it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. We're going to go to quick break, and then Jimmy's going to come back with what's on tap. And then when we got our guest RJ Fox in the studio, that's right. We'll be Thanks back. For having me on, guys. Oh, thank yeah, you, thank the you. ultimate fan, Mike Reiser. Bye. You're listening to the Undercard Hand Combat Radio. Welcome back to the Undercard, everybody. Episode two eighty seven. We have our special guest in studio now. We'll let uh, Jimmy do what's on tap, and then we're going to give him the proper introduction. Is there a big fight this week? I don't know. I uh, don't think so. Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest of all time. Yeah. All right. Uh, October fifth, Madrid, Spain. We have Joanna Pastorana versus Siraporn Tawi Suk. Ten rounds for Pastrana's IBF Women's Strawway title. Uh, Lancaster, England on ESPN+. We have Nicola Adams versus Isabel Milan. Ten rounds for the vacant WBO Women's Interim Junior Bantamweight title. Uh, At Chicago on DAZN. Have you heard that? I've seen it twice now. DAZN. Yeah, that's uh, Hearns. Uh, oh. Her- Eddie Hearns uh, thing. Okay. So so, um, so on that channel. That's uh, like uh, ESPN Plus app where you pay okay. and you get fights. All right. So Chicago on DAZN, we have Arthur uh, Betterbee versus Colum Johnson. 12 rounds for Betterbee's IBF light heavyweight title. And we also have Danny Roman versus Gavin McDonald. 12 rounds for Roman's WBA Junior Featherweight title. Uh, Bangkok, Thailand. We have uh, Sirisak Sor Rugen VC versus Iran Diaz. 12 rounds for Sor Rugen VC WBC Junior Bantamweight title. Uh, October 7th, Yokohama, Japan. Also on DAZN. We have. Uh, Naoya Inoue versus Juan Carlos Teano. 12 rounds for Iwani's WBA regular bantamweight title in the World Boxing Super Series quarterfinals. We have Kirill uh, Rilaka versus Edward Krynowski. 12 rounds for Rilaka's WBA junior welterweight title, World Boxing Super Series quarterfinals. And Ken Shiro versus Milan. Milando, 12 rounds for Shiro's WBC Junior Flyweight title. Moving on to MMA, uh, the only big thing that we have is on October 6th, UFC 229, uh, McGregor versus, uh, what, are you, what are you calling it? I call him Cubby. I can't, I can't pronounce I can't, it. yeah, I was going to say. I don't even try. Nirma, uh, Mike can do it. Nurma Gunnomendorf versus no, no, McGregor. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, and that's What's on Tap, sponsored by Falling Down Beer. You know I don't pronounce names. I know. You know, the, the cool thing 
about that is if Harry Carey is like one of your idols, like you just don't even care. You're just My, like, I'm not going to get it right. It's me, Harry Carey. He used to butcher names and he was the coolest motherfucker to ever walk the planet, you know? Actually, you know what? Before we, we get to the guests really quick, I was, I was thinking it in, uh, it's October. So it's, it's the real baseball season starts. Mm-hmm. But you know what I miss most about baseball besides the game itself? Is is the voices? I, I think some of the best oh, announcers yeah. are on Ernie that. Harwell, right? Yeah. Over in the past, we've had yeah. some great. It's just summertime, turning on a game and just listening yeah. to it's kind of kind of peaceful. But um, you were talking about some of the apps that are out there. A- HBO made a huge announcement; they're no longer a part of boxing. Forty five right. years, uh, everything's going the app way. And really quickly before we get to RJ here. It's not good for you guys out there as boxers and athletes because what happens is the rich will get w- richer and the money won't trickle down to you guys. These nine ninety nine apps and everything, it's it's actually really disappointing that HBO is pulling out. They'll be back. I don't know when, but they'll be back. But um, these these apps that are out there right now are not good for the sport. I'll talk about it one time and, and tell you why fiscally it doesn't work out. But uh, Jimmy, why don't you introduce our guest? Well, we have uh, R.J. Fox. Uh, like I said before, we've had him in the studio before uh, to talk about his true life adventures in the Ukraine, uh, Love and Vodka. Uh, he also had another book out, Tales from the Dork Side, uh, which was basically like just stories about you getting bullied as a kid. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Uh, and then he wrote another book, uh, which has recently been published, called Waiting Identification, uh, which takes place in Detroit, 1996. 99. 99. God, why do I keep thinking 96? In Detroit, 99. And you wrote the book based off of a uh, newspaper article. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So, so tell us about... Uh, the book and sure. how you came about writing this. For sure. First of all, thanks for having me back in the Absolutely. studio. Absolutely. Yeah. Good seeing all you guys. Um, yeah. So, you know, Jim mentioned my first book uh, set on set in Ukraine. Um, this one is on the streets of Detroit right here in, in Motown. And it all started with an article I read in the Free Press back in 1999. And the headline said, Mystery Bodies Awaiting Identification. And I thought that's kind of an interesting headline. Um, so I took a look. Um, and it talked about how every year there's hundreds of bodies that show up in the morgue in Detroit. Um, no one knows who they are. They're unclaimed bodies, um, oftentimes homeless people. Um, oftentimes they do figure out eventually who these bodies were, but many times they just get buried without any name to their, to their identity. Something like that is awfully tragic, but then I'm, my creative brain went off and said, that could be a pretty cool story. Um, and I actually first wrote it as a screenplay. Um, just like with my other book, Love and Vodka, it was first a movie script. Movies are my passion. Movies are, you know, really, every, really the books are just a, kind of a, a backdoor way into getting movies made. Especially uh, movies about clowns. Go on. Well, yeah, which Jim <laughs> could tell you all about that because he was my clown once. No, but, no, no. I was your victim. You were my victim. I just did your clown makeup. Well, you were the victim and the clown. I was a vi- yeah. Well, sp- okay, spoiler alert. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to no. watch that movie. Uh, actually, everybody that I talk to when I say... They're like, oh, you have an IMDb page? And I'm like, yeah. And there's actually a video on there. Yeah. Like, go watch it. And Clowny, they're like, oh, okay. Clowny day. Clowny day. Yeah. yeah. It's like a tamer it. Um, <laughs> a much tamer it. <laughs> um, actually, one question. I'm, I'm really curious. How yeah. many names... Do you think you pr- pronounce correctly when you're listing off all those events? I would <laughs> say, <laughs> I would say half. Because it, it reminded 10%. me of me on my first day of teaching. Yeah. Um, every school year, because I teach in Ann Arbor, well, and we get 
names that you just yeah. take a shot in the dark and hope you're yeah. somewhat close. There are there are certain names that keep popping up, and I've looked up those names, so I do know how to pronounce those names. I always try to find a pronunciation, but a lot of times those names, even if you throw throw it onto Google and have Google say it, you still can't understand what Google <laughs> is saying. Right. So I try as best as I can. I try to phonetically sound it out. But, yeah, I would say out of the like the easy ones, you know, like Michael McDonald or whatever, you know. But out out of the difficult ones, I'd say I hit about half of the true pronunciation. And there might be an accent that's a little bit off here or there, but I try. I try. It was a noble effort. Yeah. It's like my first day. (laughs) Yeah. Every school year, and I'm always thinking – Sometimes a kid, like, no one responds. And then I'm like, am I just so off target that <laughs> so they get and then, then they're absent? But um, Where's Jaqueline? Where's Jaqueline at? You mean Jacqueline? Yeah. What are you talking about? Oh, I, <laughs> I know. That's, that's just, one. yeah. Well, I, a- a- Ron. Any kid named Aaron, yeah. Yeah, A.A. Yeah. A- a- Ron. A lot of people call me Schneider, but I, Schneider. there's no there's no C- C-H in my last name. Yeah, so, right. like, that one I always – but, like, I the people that – bothered me were the people that took offense to someone mispronouncing your name or something like that. You know, yeah. those people you where it's just chance. like, yeah, I just, I didn't even care. I, I think this college professor called me at the whole year. It doesn't matter. You know, as long well, as the marks nobody could ever pronounce my last name. Pitchy. Pitch, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pitchy, pick, peach, pishy. Uh, the, P- my favorite, my, well, my favorite one was somebody called one time. My mom's name is Vicky. They asked for Vicky picky. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, nice try, <laughs> but no, <laughs> That's really yeah. cool. Well, my my last name is Fox, and I've had people butcher that name. So how do you butcher Fox? Yeah, like or like you know how can you? So they call it? Go ding 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 ding. Exactly. <laughs> what well, does um, the fox say? So I totally derailed the conversation. Yeah. No. 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 no, no, no. no. So so uh, I just read the the back of the cover, which I always interests me. Um, how how it's presented by uh, whether the publisher or something, but it, it it's based around Halloween, so we're we're actually yeah, kind of in the the topical yep. um parts of it. And uh, tell tell us a little bit more about the story and the characters. Yeah, so um, so the article mentioned about five or six actual real bodies that the morgue had um at the time in '99 when I read this piece. So I kind of took little elements of that and turned them into my fictional characters. Um, I've had to clarify for people that. It's a work of fiction just inspired by the article. You know, these aren't real lives that I'm documenting. Um, and I also make it clear that it's not a detective mystery novel where you have police trying to crack the case. It's showing these five people in the 24 hours before their death. And you know from page one they're dead because you see them in the morgue. You get a little description based on what the morgue gives them. We never find out any of their names because they get a, a nickname assigned to them by the morgue. So there's New York City Girl. Um, who had a NYC medallion around her neck when they find her. There's Leaf Man, who had a marijuana leaf ring on his hand. There's R.I.P., a guy who had a, a R.I.P. tattoo on his shoulder. You have R, um, the Zealot, and then you have Catman, who was surrounded by cats when they found his body. Um, so throughout the book, they're identified only by that name. And at first, on the surface, it kind of seemed like you could call them stereotypes, for example. But then as you read each chapter, you find out that these are three-dimensional human beings who had, you know, they had flaws, they had weaknesses, they had strengths, they were human beings that, that lived and then died in unfortunate circumstances. Um, so the mystery of the book is figuring out who these people were. We know they're dead, but then how did they ultimately die? So you have five separate storylines that all intersect. Um, so all the characters encounter each other throughout the book, but each story is sort of they're on their own little path. 
Um, and they, one place where they all kind of end up at one point is St. Andrews Hall in Detroit. And that takes me to the setting. So, you know, the article is from 99. Um, it was always meant to be present-day Detroit. I started writing this thing back in 99, and it went through multiple drafts and then ultimately into it from screenplay into, into book. Um, and then it dawned on me that, you know, downtown Detroit is not the same as it was in 1999. I mean, it, even in the last five years, it's changed so much. So from there, I'm like, okay, I need to maybe set it in the not-too-distant past. Um, and it it made me change. There were several things I had to research, sort of. I had to think, okay, so Cliff Bells in 99 hadn't reopened yet. Um, it was still a, a you know a closed-down jazz club. So I had to find a new jazz club for the book. Um, Tiger Stadium had just closed a month before the events of my story, which the whole theme of of things coming to an end and, and, and so on, it just fit that I was able to reference that. So it was, it's sort of set in a different time period, but yet close enough to our present day to, to be, you know, the feel relevant. Um, so, and then devil's night, it just, obviously devil's night, unfortunately has a, a connection to Detroit in terms of arson. Um, unfortunately it's gotten much better, but at the time it was still a thing, um, way worse than it is today. So it just made sense to set it on devil's night there's a lot of sort of religious imagery and symbolism throughout the book. Um, it's not a religious book, but the, there's an overall theme of redemption. It's starting with the, the, the quote about um, the city motto, which I'm going to read that real fast because it's a really fascinating motto. Uh, we hope for better days. It shall rise from its ashes. And that motto was created in 1805 after a fire destroyed most of the city. Um, and it's actually in Latin, which sounds much cooler than the English, but I'm not even going to attempt to say it in Latin. Um, <laughs> And then I also have Mozart's Requiem Mass. The pieces from his famous Requiem um, are at the beginning of each chapter. Um, so I kind of structured the book around this Requiem Mass. So there's this overall theme of redemption and renaissance and rebirth, which obviously Detroit, Renaissance City, Renaissance Center. Um, so I was able to find all these sort of thematic qualities that are re- realistic locations, realistic pieces of our city. A lot of references to... You know, if you're a native Detroiter, there's things that you would definitely identify, like Boblo Island, for example, is referenced, and, um, you know, Verner's and things, you know, better made chips. So I, I didn't want to go overboard with the references. So they're kind of sprinkled in there throughout. Um, but a lot of like the streets are referenced, specific locations. Um, I mentioned St. Andrew's Hall. The People Mover plays a big part. Um, one of the Catman character kind of just rides around endlessly in circles trying to make friends. Um, so I try to ground it in this. There's gritty realism, but I didn't want to be gratuitous. There's, you know, it, it could be very violent at times, but it wasn't meant to be, you know, Pulp Fiction type violence. It was meant to be more like, um, I guess, urban realism. Gritty realism is how I describe it in terms of its genre. Um, so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to, you know, the the from the original draft way, way back in '99 has not changed that much from what it is today. It's been refined a lot, but essentially the five storylines have been intact ever since. So um, I've been really living with these five dead characters. Um, for almost gosh, almost twenty years now, um, and then now I'm pushing it back into trying to pushing it back into the film world, trying to get the film set up um, or TV series. Um, I I could see this being a, an anthology series where every season is a new set of dead bodies, um, maybe even a different city each season, um, kind of like shows like Fargo or American Horror Story, where every season is a whole different storyline and mm-hmm. even characters. So. You know, or the, even just like a limited series where each episode is one yeah, character. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Now, um the 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 way in uh 
the these people die or whatever. Did you get anything from the newspaper article that like this person was stabbed, this person was shot, this person whatever, or did you have to make the, all that up? I think the only thing I took from the article was um, Catman, the man surrounded by cats. If I re- that was the only thing that was evident in the article. The rest I just made up okay. uh, in terms of the outcome. And, um, and that was the tricky part is figuring out, okay, how did they die? And then how do I kind of work from you know, going backwards from Z to A instead of A to Z. Right. Um, and then that, to me, that was one of the, tr- the challenges was making sure that their deaths seemed organic to the story and not just sort of a gimmick, which, you know, you, there are two movies that come to mind where you know the, the main character is dead from page one, and that's um, Sunset Boulevard and then American Beauty. And, you know, those movies were effectively, so, I, you know, it can be done. You know, even Titanic, you know, the ship's going down, mm-hmm. but then. What are the events leading up to the sinking that makes it worthwhile? Yeah, American Beauty actually says this is the last year, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. like this is. Uh, he references that he'll be dead. He or, narrates it, right? <clears throat> yep. Um, From behind. The- yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time, and and um, but but developing characters, like you said, you've been living with these five characters. Um, <clears throat> how how did you develop them? Like you said, you took Catman, kind of. Um, but how, how the other ones come about from people that you've known, people you've um, seen, observed, or, or people that you, you, you wanted to give a voice to that you know are out there, but yeah, you never met really to me, there, there are five people that could exist and possibly do exist in different forms. Um, the New York city girl, she's coming back from New York, um, to make amends with her mother. She had left for New York when she was younger, decided to come back home. She's, we find out she's pregnant. Um, and she's just trying to kind of start her life over back in Detroit. Um, then you have Leafman, who's a DJ, um, although he deals drugs on the side. So he's trying to um, go clean so he could get custody of his child back. So he, he gets his gig at St. Andrews Hall, um, but then he has this one last deal to make before he could totally break free. Um, but even that, like on the surface, he's a drug dealer, but then we find out he actually peddles prescription drug- drugs to the needy and to the elderly who can't afford prescriptions. Um, RIP is kind of a, what you call a career criminal. You could call him a thug, but he's trying to um, pay for his father's medical expenses, but he's also stealing from people and um, and robbing people. So you have all these different shades and levels. And then uh, the zealot kills prostitutes and homeless people in the, in the name of God. So he's on this holy mission in his mind to, quote, cleanse the city, um, you know, to cleanse the streets of Detroit. And then you have Catman who, if zealot's Old Testament, you have Catman who's New Testament. All he wants to do is make a friend. He's this homeless guy who just wanders the city. People think, oh, he's just trying to get you know money for booze or whatever. But no, he just wants to make a friend. And he carries a little kitten with him that he takes out to show to people to try to get him to interact with him. So um, so you have these kind of pairings. You have New York City Girl and Leaf Man that pair up, um, possibly start a little relationship. And then you have Catman and Zealot to kind of pair up. And then the R.I.P. character is sort of like the pivot between the two sets. So I wanted to make sure that the characters were parallels to each other. Um, I guess foils in some way, um, and then they all sort of bounce off each other before they go their separate ways, and then ultimately to the great beyond. Really now, happy stuff. Now, <laughs> well, no, the the last time you were here, you're um, we're introducing us to a book, a little bit of humor, kind of, yeah, a love story. Mm-hmm. This is a, a little. It sounds like a departure from it. 
Um, is that something you want to do as an author, kind of hit um, different genres and, and, and try to be eclectic? Sure. I mean, not intentionally. I've I've written in a lot of different genres. Um, I have a lot of short stories that are more dramatic. I have a lot of essays that are more on the funny side of things, like Love and Vodka. There's It's you know more of a humorous story, like you said. And uh, I just write what I feel like writing. Um, but there's no question this book is drastically different in terms of tone. It's similar in the sense that the the setting plays a big part. I almost consider it a character in the book. So Ukraine is a huge part of Love and Vodka. In this book, Detroit plays a major part. So setting stories in real locations, um, whether fiction or nonfiction, um, is is a similarity. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just like what I feel like writing, and I don't feel like I have to sort of settle into any one genre. Um, I mean, I enjoyed writing both equally. It's just um, a different mode of writing. And this obviously is very... Even though it's very dark, I tried to find as many uplifting moments and sort of redemptive moments as I could for these characters and add humor here and there, which is, you know, especially with Catman's story, which I, he's the last story in the book. He's also the most sort of optimistic and joyful story. So I wanted to end on somewhat of a optimistic note before we see them all dead once again. Yeah, you know, it's all great, great, and then then everybody dies. It's like like a Shakespeare play. Everybody dies at the end. Exactly. Yeah. And it is like I was, you know, you you see them again at the end with their descriptions from the morgue after we've learned all the stuff about them. So it's sort of like this, you know, as you're reading it, I'm sure there are times where you might forget they're going to be dead. Right. And then you get this, like, last sobering reminder that, yep, like. They all die. But now we know who they are as opposed to, you know, random dead people in a morgue now what now just out of curiosity you read that article what made you decide i have to write a book about this um it was really just i'm like i really like this idea that i you know popped into my head and then it was just a matter of um and at at the time i had two uh collaborators separately one guy ended up moving and then i had another friend help me out so in the early days i had people helping me write the story in terms of fleshing out the storylines. The book I wrote totally on my own, but the screenplay that I wrote the book from was almost like a skeleton outline of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And I was able to add a lot more meat and potatoes to it. But, um, but really it was just like, I, I just, sometimes you just really feel a connection to an idea you have. Other times you're like, Oh, I like that idea, but I'll set it aside for now. But this one just stuck really with stuck me with, yeah. Yeah. and it just felt like something I had to, you know, keep putting <clears throat> out there to get it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes I'll I'll be walking in a cemetery, uh, you know, visiting a family member cemetery, and like like you said, uh, sometimes you'll pass like you know something that catches your eyes. You mm-hmm. you you do the math, and it's like wow, eight years old or nine years yeah. old. But you don't know the story, exactly. So yeah. you're, you're you're thinking, well, kid cans, like, or you know, accident. Some tragic accident, right? Yeah. And then you Sickness. see somebody that's lived a long life, and his wife lived a long life, and you're trying to, you're almost piecing a story as you're yeah. walking past these cemeteries. That's a good analogy to it for sure. Of people you've never met, you're just walking by their last names, but you're doing the math every time you hit it. Yeah, you're like wow, you hit this age or didn't hit that age. That's kind of what it kind of, you know. What you're saying describes it to me, you know. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at a tombstone, uh, everything, every emotion, every hug, every kiss, every relationship, every friendship, every everything, all exists 
in that dash. Yes. Yeah. yeah the, the, the sum of human existence <laughs> exists in that little tiny dash We're on a tombstone. To a, to a tombstone. Yeah, and Now the exactly. tombstones today suck because they're just a flat little thing. In the, the right, yeah. We don't like get the big elaborate right. things that they used to Screw get. Screw that. I want well, a gargoyle. You, you yeah. can still get that. You're just yeah. going to pay, you know, <laughs> right. a half a million dollars. I want a gargoyle. You know? I want a crypt. <laughs> you want a crypt? I just, I just for like the first year that like I'm dead, I want a little voice recorder like buried with me that just goes. Oh wow! Anybody up there? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hello. With a continuous loop of your clown movie playing. <laughs> oh, that would be scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, what a so, morbid conversation. I know. Time. So. Um, so, uh, Love and Vodka, Tales from the Dark Side, now a way to identification. Do you have any other books that are kind of out in the ether that uh, might be picked up for publishing? So or what are I have, you, yeah. I have a lot of orphaned short stories that uh, I think that they're all set in Metro Detroit and they're all kind of thematically linked. So, okay. at some point, I would like to put it's really hard to sell a short story collection. Right. Um, I've started some novels here and there, but right now I'm really focusing on going back into the film side of things. Right. Um, I did. I kind of polished off the screenplays of both books, um, and then I'm really just focusing on getting those going. Um, but I'm constantly kind of poking away at short stories and eventual novels. I have 12 other screenplays, that, some of which could be a, a novel someday. <laughs> I feel like I've kind of – that's been my path. It's like turning scripts into books. Which right. Is, you, don't, you don't have to worry about mapping out a story. Well, and it seems like uh, – and you can talk about it here in a minute, but your, your first really published book started as a screenplay – Became a book and now is going to be a screenplay. It is, yeah. Well, it's gonna, it's gonna be a movie. Um, yeah, a that's movie. Happening. Right. Yeah, yeah. We have. Um, I so I'm. I have a, a director who is interested in making this happen. Um, it's still the the. It's not a hundred percent official yet until the contracts are all set, but it's 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 gonna happen. I mean, it's you know ninety nine point nine percent sure now that this movie will finally get made. And, yeah, and I'm not gonna be directing it. Um, which, you know, I would love to direct the movie someday, but I have two little kids and it just, right. it's an assumption to shoot a movie in Ukraine, but I, I, I will be involved, um, in the process. Um, so you're, you're going to, it's going to film in the Ukraine. Yeah. The majority okay. will be filmed in Ukraine. Um, or at least, I mean, that's the goal. There's right. other parts in that part of the world that, you well, can yeah, I mean, it, and Ukraine's been in obviously a turbulent civil war, although the city it's set in, um, has not really been impacted the way other parts of Ukraine have, which is good for the movie. Right. Um, and then there's a few scenes set here in the states, but right, yeah, um, so yeah. So maybe Jim, you'll be in one of my movies again. <laughs> oh, there you yeah. go, Jim. Yeah, because the uh, Fools uh, is set in the the little town of Kulyanshnikov. There you go. Yeah, it, it's it's a made up town that Neil Simon awesome. made up, but <laughs> it's actually kind of funny because uh, the the play uh, takes place in a Ukrainian city in or in a little Ukrainian town in the late 1800s. Um, the main character, one of the main characters, Dr. Zubritsky, who I play, he's a very religious man. Like they're all very religious. And even though Neil Simon doesn't specifically say that he's Jewish, you get some connotations that he's Jewish. So the entire time I'm, when I pick, when I was working on my accent for it, I'm just like, God, where would I be able to hear a Russian Jewish accent into the Ukraine, in and around the 1800s, and then fiddle around the roof. There you go. I'm like, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, my accents is modeled a little bit off of uh, Tevye from, uh, the, from uh, the Fiddler on the Roof. Cool. Yeah. Can we hear it? 
Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you uh, one of my one of my uh, uh, lines. Um, so to set this up, uh, Doctor Zabritsky and his wife Lenya uh, have just told. Um, uh, and if you don't know the uh, fools. Um, they're under a 200-year-old curse, which makes them stupid. And so he's asking them, what kind of a curse are you talking about? And he said, um, <clears throat> I'm going to screw it up now. 200 years ago, a curse was put on this village that struck down every man, woman, child, and domestic animal, including all of their ancestors, for generations to come, leaving them with no more, and you'll find this very hard to believe, with no more intelligence than a bump on a log. Not bad, not bad. There you <laughs> go, right. Jimmy. Yeah. That's your audition, Jim. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah, yeah, great. All right, I'll send you my headshot later. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're being joined by R.J. Fox, who has a new book out called Awaiting Identification. Uh, how, how's the best way to get your book? Uh, I know every so, author has a different way. I mean, way. it's locally, it's in a lot of bookshops, like Page's Bookshop. Um, it's a lot of shops in Ann Arbor. Um, all, all the indie shops have it there. Um, and of course, Amazon, you know, for convenience, that's always the easy way, but, you know, supporting the local shops are great. Um, it's available at the bookshop, uh, BookBeat in, in Oak Park, um, and then some scattered Barnes and Nobles. It's so, sort of hit and miss, um, but chances are if you walk to a local bookshop, you might find it there, or they could order it for you if they don't actually have it, because it does have full distribution. Um, so yeah, um, but again, if you have to settle for Amazon, that's totally fine. Um, <laughs> you got to sell out. Now, is, it, uh, is the publisher the same one as from Love and Vodka? Yeah, so Fish Out okay. of Water Books. They're based in yeah. Ann, Ar- Ann Arbor. So they're a local publisher, and I've been super fortunate to work with them now twice. Um, really good people to work with um, through the whole editing process and super supportive. And they're great at getting you know getting some good press for us. And um, it's just been a lot of fun, you know, that whole process. And now we're trying to get this thing set up as a film. Um so I've been, you know, sitting smoke signals. I remember because I, I remember when we were filming uh, Clowny Day, you were talking about this as a script because wow. we were talking about possibly having me play the zealot. zealot. Yeah, that yeah. was back in O two. That was back in O two. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's how long I've been, <laughs> I've been working on the story. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird to actually have it out there now. You know, yeah, like, you know, I sent these five. It's like go away, little birdies. You're free. Now. Right. Yeah. Even though you're dead, you're. Well, they say, and you know, what they say when you're writing, kill your babies. So yeah. you really did kill did. your babies. Yeah. On the first, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really did <laughs> for real. But then I brought them back, and then, and then I, you brought them back, and then you killed them again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I was, I was a big reader in high school and uh, uh, college, and uh, you know the the people I could reach out to. I would try to. I'd I'd write them their PO boxes oh, cool. and stuff, or write their publishers. And I think I maybe got one or maybe one response out of thirty. Right? Well, no, no, no one got back to me. But you're working in a time where people can reach out to you. Have you had Have you had a rewarding story of someone that read something of yours? That actually, came came to you and you're like, "Wow, well, this makes it worth it." Yeah. Well, there's been a few that you know in this book business. It's there's so little money to be made. So. The, the satisfaction comes from who you know meeting people and doing events and doing things such as this you know interviews and and so on um, but the best experience and Jim you'll relate to this one probably um, so my second book tales from the dork side it's a collection of essays from when I was a bullied dorky kid now I'm just a dorky guy but um, this the biggest bully well there are two stories for this one one of the jocks that actually was never that mean to me but he actually saw that I was posting things on Facebook before I actually published the book. And he wrote to me and he said, you know, I just want to apologize to you for anything I ever did to hurt you. Um, 
he goes, you know, I read this essay you posted on, on Facebook and it just made me realize that, you know, I could have been nicer to you and I wasn't. And he goes, you know, I'm a gym teacher now, so I'm going to actually use this story in my class to teach, you know, anti-bullying. Um, and I just was like, it, it felt like an after-school special. Wait, but who was it? I'm not going to name it. No, <laughs> you, you got to tell me afterwards. After. You got to tell then, me afterwards. And, and the, you know, ironically, he was not one of the bullies. But then the biggest bully, one of my stories is called the, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. yeah. Like I heard you swear earlier. <laughs> yeah. The dog shit incident. And it's about this glorious moment where oh, I know, the biggest fun. bully shoved my face into a pile of dog poop. And it was frozen, so it could have been worse. So, um, so yeah. anyhow, oh. for so real. I had looked this guy up on Facebook years ago and never found him literally the day i finished editing the book with the editor and sent it off for publication i get a friend request from the this big bully who i swear i could not find on facebook previously and it was like what are the odds that this he's like a key character in my book he would have no way of knowing this existed he just randomly friended me so i didn't like interact with him other than just accepting the request well then I get this email out of the blue on, or a message on Facebook where the guy goes, so um, I see you have this book coming out. Um, you know, it sounds like you, you're writing about your troubled youth when you were bullied and this and that. And he goes, you know, I was probably a real dick to you back then, and I am so sorry. Um, he goes, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a supervisor now for a lot of people, and I always make it a point to be as nice and kind to people as I can. And I realized, you know, when I was little, I wasn't always like that. Um, and I thought that was so cool. But then he goes, and I want to buy your book. And I kind of, <laughs> I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to read the story. Right. Where he looks like the biggest, you know, and I don't name, I changed yeah. names. Or I had A lot of the bullies were composite characters. Yeah. I like took a bunch of bullies and made them into one character or whatever. Um, but I'm like, if he reads this, he's going to remember the time he did this. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, what if he gets so pissed off that he starts harassing me again? Yeah. And that created this whole idea for a fictional story. We're like, <laughs> but so I had those two moments, like, you know, the not so much, not so bully apologizing, but it was still cool because he was, you know, the popular right. jack guy. And then the actual bully, like, actually freaking me out a little bit. But, <laughs> um, but just a serendipity of like him request or, you know, sending the friend request the yeah. moment after I sent it off for publishing was, it was <laughs> like, wow, like, what sort of the odds? odds yeah. Of yeah. So, exactly. So those two things. And then, um, what if he wouldn't have been mad though? And uh, to reference the Seinfeld episode where Kramer's the real Peterson had just started showing up at your book, <laughs> yeah. your your book things. Oh. Jimmy won't get it because he hates Seinfeld, but you've seen yes, that episode, absolutely. right? Yes, I'm the real Peterson, and he That'd goes to the book signing. Yes, and we could reenact the dog <laughs> shit incident, and then uh, but with a fake turd. And then the the most bizarre one was that with Love and Vodka, we went to um, it was a. Uh, vodka festival in Royal Oak at the Royal Oak Music Theater. Oh, I know, I know the story. All the vodka. Um, well, there's the 50 cent thing, which that's a whole long, so I won't get it. Oh, I thought that was the one you were going to reference. This one was, it's actually in the story where this drunk woman, she was probably in her, I don't know, 60s. She was just totally trashed and wasted. It was a (laughs) vodka tasting festival. They had DJs and all this stuff. And she comes up to my table where I had my book. She's like, so what is this? I'm like, oh, it's a book. She goes, oh, you're an author? I go, yeah. I go, I wrote the book. And she started, she goes, she was totally wasted. She goes, oh, wow. I've never been with an author before. <laughs> and then like eventually she walked off and then she starts like five minutes later, I look over and she's like making out with like a 20 year old dude. <laughs> but so that was like one of those weird, like, you know, just surreal moments. It's like, man, this is, this is strange. And there's been a few other like weird moments like that. Um, the best thing is like people ask, did you actually write this? Like I get asked that question a lot. What do you, what do you, like, no, I, I'm a, 
I, it's all fraud. Like I, it's, I didn't write any of it, but um, <laughs> like you so, bought, bought, bought a term paper or something yeah, online. Exactly. So, <laughs> so it's been, you know, it's fun. It's, you meet people. Um, you know, I've been invited to book tomorrow night. I'm going to a book club. Actually, a former student's mom invited me to her book club with her and her friends tomorrow evening. So um, this is like the third book club I'd, I've done. And it's a lot of fun. You get to eat cheese and drink wine. And you have, all, you know, 30 women fawning over this author in their home. It's, like, it's, it's kind of cool. <laughs> now, that would have never happened when we were younger. No, I don't. That's no. The thing. But I think back to my, that moment I had my face up to dog shit. Yeah. Like, someday you'll be sitting in a home with 30 women asking you questions. <laughs> About your book. <laughs> now, uh, you know, sometimes a musician will start off uh, – you know, there's a lot of creative creativity there, and 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 sometimes you'll hear like you know their their best days were their first few albums. As a writer, do you feel you, you're getting better, or, or more ideas come yeah, to you? Yeah, I do feel like I've gotten better. I've you know they always say the more you write, the more just naturally things progress. Um, you know, this book compared to my other books, I feel is a lot deeper and a lot more. Um, I, I don't want to say the word literary, but I guess that would be the best way to describe it. So. This book definitely took my writing to a whole new level, but because I've been working on it for so long, it wasn't necessarily like in this like natural evolution of things. Um, but I feel like with my short stories, I continue to um, find ways to make my storytelling better and more succinct, I guess. Um, and I feel like it'll be hard to top this book in terms of like originality and like the the story structure so unique. Um, but I I'm striving to always do better, and you know especially with the goals of the whole movie and TV side of things like that until I have like an Oscar in hand or maybe an Emmy, um, I won't feel satisfied. I mean, that's just like how I'm motivated to just constantly push towards that goal or a Tony and, or a Tony. Sure. Why or not? Tony Love and vodka or the musical. I Le- <laughs> well, but you could get a Tony for a non-musical, can't you? That's or is it just musicals? No, I, no, no, you can get it for it's all, yeah, all, it's just sta- for, yeah, all yeah, stage. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, yeah. playwriting or, is something I... Or uh, um, a Pulitzer. You could get a Pulitzer for your book. I got to start writing more. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just oh, yeah. saying, like, but these are Goals. different awards yeah. that you can no, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Nice. You know, and yeah. for me, it's not like for the acclaim as much as it would just be to know that I, like, reached the height that right that yeah. I wrote a really good story that made people happy or where they got to enjoy something that I created. And that's... Now would, would you ever consider, cause you write screenplays, you write books. Would you ever consider being the writer for something like a graphic novel? Oh, for sure. In fact, this book at one point I talked to, um, actually Nick Oliver, you know, Nick. Oh yeah, I know Nick. Yeah. Um, there's a yeah. while where I was, we were talking about making this a graphic novel. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. something I've always thought would be cool. And yeah. Something I haven't ruled out. So yeah. And yeah. you know, film and graphic novels are almost so similar. Yeah. I mean, it's basically storyboarding. Right. Um, exactly. But yeah, that would be cool. Um, I would love to, to do that at some point. And yeah. I have other ideas for books that could be graphic novels. Um, and some children's type, you know, illustrated <laughs> children's books. as well. I, I had, I had an idea for graphic novel years ago and I started writing it but I couldn't find a, a an illustrator, so I just had this idea rattling around in my head. And then the TV show I Zombie came out, and it was the exact concept that oh, I had that's for the this worst thing. Feeling. And I'm like, "Are you kidding me right now?" Yeah. Like, I mean, the it was a little bit different, but it's it still. was, but it was the you became a zombie, but you remained human looking and got your faculties and all that stuff like that if you ate. Uh, 
uh, brains. Okay. Um, and you also got in my in my iteration, uh, you got different types of highs depending on the type of brain that you ate. Okay. So some would get like like a weed high where they would just be really mellow. Some would yeah. get like a cocaine high where they'd be super hyper and like all that kind of stuff. And if they didn't get the brains, then they would slowly deteriorate into that feral kind of zombie that you see in like you know Day of the Dead and just all that like kind warm, of stuff. Warm bodies. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, similar, right, right, right. similar, but yeah, very similar. But yeah, and then then that show came out, and I'm like, well, I can't do that yeah. now. Although things get recycled so much, so yeah, couple, yeah, that's happened to me a few times. So I'm like, oh, I just want to know. Kidding. I just want to know who hacked my computer and found the there idea. Well, the one that happened to me with Benjamin Button, I had written a whole screenplay with this, the concept of somebody aging in reverse. And oh, then I yeah. finished it, and then like a, a few weeks yeah. later, I read, oh, this movie's coming out. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh, shit. But, yeah, exactly. Um, do you want to do a quick 1987? Yeah, let's since, do it. Okay, and 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 you'll because you are a child of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all children of the 80s. So when we get into our 80s episode, we're on 287 right now. We go back and we talk about the 1980s because yes. that you know that was our stuff. So this is 1987. Uh, so some things that happened in uh, 1987. That was the year my face was shoved in dog shit. There we go. Really? That's the, really? I'm pretty sure. Okay, so key events that happened in 1987. Bob Fox's face was shoved in dog shit. Um, the very first Simpsons episode aired on the um, uh, Tracy Ullman show. Uh, the first criminal convicted using DNA evidence was in 1987. The average house was $92,000. Uh, the average income per year was twenty four thousand three fifty. Average rent was three ninety five. Average price for a new car ten thousand uh, three hundred fifty five dollars. And a gallon of gas. Anybody want to take a guess? Uh, One nineteen. Eighty nine cents. Uh, USA uh, Full House debuts. <laughs> Uh, on uh, ABC during the September fall lineup. <laughs> full House that. was on the air for eight seasons until 1985. Um, the Simpsons, uh, Tracy Ullman Show, uh, it was aired on the newly launched Fox Television Network, mm-hmm. and a total of 48 Simpsons shorts were shown before they were turned into their own series in 1989. Uh, a plane lands in Red Square, Mathis Rust, a West German citizen, flew a small Cessna airplane into Moscow, landing in Red Square. Nice. Um, <sighs> what happened to him? Uh, it didn't didn't say. He's not on the way. Um, women were f- allowed into the Britain Britain's Order of the Garter for the first time, thanks to Queen Elizabeth II. Um, Reagan gives his Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall <laughs> speech. <Sweet. laughs> um, See what else happened in 1987. Aretha Franklin is inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Disneyland Paris uh, is basically up and running. The very first Final Fantasy video game is created in Japan. Uh, Let's see. We got some. Okay. So now we go to birthdays. When's your birthday, Bob? June 13th. June 13th. June 13th in 1987. Your birthday was on a Saturday. Uh, Rochelle? November 6th. November 6th. Your birthday was on a Friday, Brad. September 3rd. September 3rd. Your birthday was on a Thursday. And mine, October 4th, it was on a Sunday. Oh, your birthday's coming up, Yep, on Thursday. Yep. I will be 42. Uh, 42. Oh, wait, you're you're older than me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Talking Elf 
was a big toy in the 1987. How much do you think that went for, Bob? Uh, 20 bucks. 69.99. Oh, damn. Uh, NASA walkie-talkies. Yeah, NASA walkie-talkies. They're bringing Elf back, by the way. Yes, they are. I know. Uh, Karate Kid action figures. How much do you think they are, Brad? Five ninety-nine. Eleven ninety-nine. Damn. Margaret Thatcher is elected as a prime minister of the United Kingdom for the third time. Fox Broadcasting Company made its prime time TV debut. The world's population reached approximately five billion, with the U.S. population estimated at two forty-four point six million. The U.S. stock market crashed on October 19th with a 508-point drop or a 22% drop, 22.6% drop, which uh, stock markets around the world followed. By the end of October, Australia fell 41.8%, Canada 22.5%, Hong Kong 45.8%, and the United Kingdom 26.4%. The USS Stark is attacked on May 17th by an Iraq air-to-sea missile, which is a accident, and mm, 37 oops. U.S. sailors are killed. There is a, and I remember this, there is a rare earthquake of 5.0 on the Richter scale on June 11th that affects 14 states in the Midwest and parts of Canada. And I remember that because uh, when that earthquake hit, we were living on our house in Madison, and all the cupboards went rattled or whatever, and I do remember that actually happening. Uh, Prozac makes his debut in the United States. The search for Nessie reveals no evidence after a $1.6 million investment. Big movies that year, Three Men and a Baby, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Good Morning Vietnam, Uh, The Untouchables, Lethal Weapon, The Last Emperor, Wall Street, Dirty Dancing, RoboCop, and Moonstruck. Good year for movies. That's right. Michael Jackson with the bad album and a single. Lionel Richie, do it to me or do it to me. Fleetwood Mac, Tango in the Night. <laughs> Janet Jackson, let's wait a while. Heart it's alone. Lionel Richie. Yeah. Uh, Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody. George Michael, Faith album and single. Brian Adams, Into the Man, Fire. What a time to be alive. Los Lobos, <laughs> La Bamba. And you two, I'm Joshua Tree, Richie. and with or without you. Um, the food and the FDA approves the anti-AIDS drug AZT. Uh, the uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, the Clive Sinclair launches the Z88 portable computer, weighing just two pounds. Uh, 1987 is shortened by one second to adjust for the Gregorian calendar. What the hell. Disposable contact lenses become available for commercial distribution. And that's some things that happened in 1987. What so in 1987, year. what grade were we in? We would have been in fourth grade, I think. In fourth grade. Yeah. Okay. Fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, we were 10. Um, well, you would have been 11 because we just found out our ages are well, not the same. That's because, that's because I graduated third grade, went to fourth grade. Then halfway through fourth grade, they said, no, nah, go back to third grade. And now they can't do that anymore. Oh, they can't? No, you can't really hold students back to grade levels. Nope, they just push them on yep. through. Really? Yep. Yeah. It's not good Those for their self-esteem, Jim. <laughs> it really did. No, honestly, I can actually trace back all my self-esteem issues to that singular oh, yeah. event. And that's probably a big reason. No, I mean, yeah. seriously, they, they don't do that for that reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I just mention one thing about The Simpsons? Yeah. You know, they're having their 30th, anniversary, 30th season premiere. Yeah. 
Um, 30 years. Of the actual show, not 30, the Tracy Ullman. Right, yeah. yeah, 30 years. But have you yeah. ever seen what they look like in like the Tracy Ullman? Yeah, they, they oh, yeah. moved and they, yeah. Were, like, yeah. they were really weird. weird. Look like a stinker. Well, that's fire. because they didn't have the animators. They were literally rushing the animation. Yeah. So they weren't, each cell wasn't exactly like right. the other cell. So there was some waving yeah. going on. And, and the voices funny. are off. Yeah. yeah. Well, that actually, most of the people who do the voices of we're the Simpsons now are the ones that did on the Tracy Ullman show. It's just their character wasn't. They just developed. hadn't developed the character yeah, yet. You amazing. know, they hadn't if found you, that voice for them. If you haven't watched the old Simpsons, go go to YouTube and check them out. It's sort of surreal and kind of creepy. I don't find the Simpsons funny. I, I've said that a million times. Always or like now? Never. never. Wow. I've, I've, I don't watch it. I, I know their Treehouse of Horrors thing. I don't watch it. It, it, you know, but he likes Seinfeld. So what are you going to do? Hey, brilliant. Seinfeld <laughs> and Simpsons. I put on the same plane, and oh, I, God, I always no. feel guilty that I stopped watching The Simpsons. I, I do always too. Take it for granted, it's like it's still it's there. there. One day it won't. It's like Alex Trebek. But, but here, one day there won't be Alex Trebek. <laughs> but but that's the th- that's the thing is I think I'm gonna wait until it's done and then binge watch the entire yeah. series because it will still take me ten years right. to watch the entire series. It's just amazing. What a waste. You know, it's a, a it's a good point though. I wonder if Wheel of Fortune. I only watched one episode a day. It's a half an hour. I wonder you know? if Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy will continue after Pat Sajak. Yes, in the, you I'm think? sure. I, I think, heard Alex oh, yeah. back announce he's hanging it up. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. he? Oh, yeah. I didn't hear okay, that. I don't know how, wow. how much longer, but probably well, the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. The guy sitting across from me is R.J. Fox. The Hi. new book is Awaiting Identification. Uh, how can they get in contact with you, and uh, where do you where um, do you want them to purchase? You can it find me on Facebook, R.J. Fox, Twitter at FoxWriter Seven, as well as uh, Instagram, and then. Those are the best ways. I love connecting with people on social media. So, oh, <laughs> something else that happened in 1987. Uh, uh, I'm going to Disney World. Phil Simmons. Phil Sims after winning Super first Bowl 24, 21. Yeah, is that the first time? I guess. Yeah, that's. I, I just got a, a message from uh, from uh, from from uh, Rick. Rick oh, Pratt. nice. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Well, because yeah. just I just got it too, and I'm like, wow. okay, yeah. <laughs> I was late. Say, not sure if you said it as I was late tuning in. Hi, Rick. I'm going to Disney World. Phil Sims after winning Super Bowl 21. Yep. What are you doing at the Super Bowl? I'm going to Disney so World. That's where that came from. I, yeah. I never realized the origin of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was an advertising for like, yeah. Disney World, and then they would actually invite the MVPs out. Yeah. For the sports. Oh, wow. But I guess that was the first time it was said. So yeah. Well, that's cool. I never realized. I didn't realize yeah. it was either. Yeah. It was it. It wasn't a part of my 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 internet search when I was looking for things that happened in 1987. It, it seems like times were more complicated then, but then really yeah. you, you hit it here and well, it wasn't too. Oh, so wait, wait, no, that wasn't you that posted that. There was somebody that posted. It was a um, uh, it was a tape. I think it was a tape deck. They found it in the river, and one of their students asked if it was from the Civil War. Oh, and 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 they were just kind of going back and forth, and I said, "Yeah, it was from the Civil War, the infamous Pepsi versus Cola Wars." <laughs> nice, <laughs> right? Which is uh, mentioned in a Billy Joel, uh, yeah, freaking... rock and roll and Cola Wars. Oh, boy, exactly. I can't take it anymore. Uh, yeah. You know, New Coke. Did we hit New Coke yet? Was that no? I, I haven't gotten to New Coke yet. God, what a mistake! That that, that, that I think that was like late eighties. There was a couple of them that we skipped. Because we ran out of time on our shows, and yeah, we haven't yeah. gone back and redone them, because we just haven't had time, and then we missed a couple of shows. But New Coke, I think, maybe had come out before 87. I just We just missed Pretty that particular close. one. Yeah. 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 Well, when, we, when, did, when did 
when did Crystal Pepsi come out? That was in the early 90s, 90s. though. Yeah, yeah, I was in... Uh, it was probably the... around the same time as Zima. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, actually. Uh, probably, which makes sense. We yeah. were at uh, the state championships for cross-country in high school, and I remember it was like uh, Crystal Pepsi was in the... So, like, probably 93, 92. Okay. Was it essentially like Sprite? No. no, 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 no. It tasted coolish, but it was clear. clear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's clear. It, it, yeah. Better for the kidneys, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry. And this is kind of, but this is just my little thing. And, and Bob would, uh, or RJ, I'm sorry, uh, we'll, we'll get a kick out of this. But did you ever watch the Stephen Colbert and John Krasinski when they do the, the, the fake vomiting? No. So it's this thing. There's a, there's a, there's a sketch. Uh, with Steve Carell and and Stephen Colbert in their younger days, where there are waiters and the the sounds and the names of food make them sick. Oh so they're like they're like today we have lobster, we have lobster bisque, you know, <laughs> like that. So they did. So John Krasinski and Stephen Colbert did this thing, and and it was they did. Um, uh, shall I compare thee to a summer's day from Shakespeare sonnets or whatever, or Ode to Love or whatever it's called? But it was just the funniest thing. Oh if you ever get a chance to watch it, I highly recommend you watch it because, like, John Krasinski is just like, Shall I compare thee to a su- summer's <laughs> day? Art thou art more lovely and t- but the way that they did it is just amazing and then there's another one of them doing it earlier and one with emily blunt and steve carell or uh stephen colbert doing it see he questioned john krasinski's like place on a shelf what do you mean (laughs) he's a top shelfer he's he is now a top no no no, no. since jim he has been no, a top shelf. He was he was a B plus after the office. He became a A when he no, did no. No. when he did when he did thirteen hours. No. Yeah. He became an A, <clears throat> and then between a Quiet Place, uh, a couple Tom, other movies, and now and now uh, the the Jack Ryan thing yeah. on Amazon. He is now a A plus lister. Well, I honestly don't think he transcends. Why, why am I even speaking? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm disagreeing with you. I don't think he was an A-lister at the end of the office. I think he She's didn't become an A-lister about in her her world top. Show. Oh, that no, and that's fine. I'm just saying in in like the like box office draw and like what it wasn't even about that. Never oh, mind. I, I guess I'm not understanding. I'm no. totally lost now. Yeah, I guess I I'm thought not I was. You mean in terms of being like an attractive uh, dude? Yeah, because he was. Well, he went from Jim to Jim. He was on the cover of Men's Health, and he's like, "I don't even see what it is." Yeah, yeah, I don't. I could see how he would not be attractive t- in a typical way. I never thought he'd be able to like transcend Jim from The Office. I always thought, like, I, and that's and that's. And I mean, it's somehow. amazing how he like busted right past it. He went from he went from being in The Office to being an action star. Yeah, I mean, but it, Mark Wahlberg was Marky Mark well, at but, one time too. But but and also think about it this way. Bruce Willis went from well, moonlighting. when moonlighting to action star. True. But know? does everybody find John Krasinski like good looking? Like is he so Oh yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know. You you're saying no, right? No, she says yes. No, she's, she's saying yes. Top shelfer. Always <laughs> oh, has you're been saying, since Jim. I thought you were saying he's not. Jim I'm Halpert. Totally lost with this Jim guy. Halpert. <laughs> but see Jim Halpert Always. Jim Halpert was that goofy, lovable I want to snuggle up with you and marry but you, that's kind just of. It. 
Yeah. He hasn't fallen. Jim. No, he he's actually gotten higher. So I'm saying like he went from like high to even higher. Like better pot. Like yeah. Yeah. He went he went from growing in your background to like to like pot. medical marijuana. <laughs> medical pot. That good like, shit, you know? Like, Where you're like, now he's I'm, now now he's ripped and he can kick yeah. some ass, yeah. you know? Am I breathing I mean, still? I, don't I mean know in I'm the breathing. office Dwight beat him up with snowballs. Yeah. Now he could like disarm Dwight and like put him in like, you know, a little pretzel or something. He doesn't even have to say anything, he just gives you that look. <laughs> he, just, he does give you that look. Yeah. That yeah. looks looks right at the camera just Yeah, that was his trademark. Well, yeah. We want to thank RJ uh, yeah, for thank joining you. us. RJ Fox, check out his new book, Awaiting Identification, uh, also uh, based around Halloween. And you know what? A great subject matter to absolutely di- dive into. Uh, enjoy UFC yep. uh, this week. We'll be back next Tuesday. I will not. I will not be here yeah, next Tuesday theater, because, yeah. yeah, uh, because my show opens. Uh, if you are in and around the Ann Arbor area uh, and want to see a, uh, the late great Neil Simon's one of his seminal works, Fools, uh, come to Concordia University Thursday, Friday, Saturday, eight p.m. Sunday, two o'clock matinee. How much are tickets? Uh, Ten dollars general admission. Seven dollars for students. All right. Nice. Yep. It's students for any college? Students, yep. Yeah, all just you, whatever. You just, what, well, no, Concordia students get in for free. Okay. But, yeah, if you have a student ID, you can get in for $7. What about Is, podcast hosts? Are they, do you? Uh, it, <laughs> I, we, uh, they have to pay double. Okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it? I'm not familiar with the play. Is it age appropriate? Kids? Yeah. It is age appropriate okay. for kids. Yep. Okay. Uh, I don't, yeah, there's no, I'm trying to think. No, yeah, it's very age appropriate. So yeah, all right. Well, there you yeah. go. All ages. They're, they're, and the only ones who speak with accents are myself and uh, the guy playing Count Gregor, which has a very kind of half Ukrainian, half like Count Dracula kind of sound to it. So it's what, very interesting. What Jimmy's not telling us is he's going full method, so that's why I can't come in at full but, frontal. Yeah, <laughs> full frontal. Yeah, full, full method next. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Things that make you go <laughs> full method gets into character and doesn't break it, so we won't allow him in the studio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we'll see everybody next week. Take care. Yep, thank you guys.